Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Now, eventually, when the Jewish religious leaders go to crucify Jesus. What are they going to crucify Jesus for? Because he healed people? Because he fed people? No, because he claimed to be who? How can people say Jesus never claimed to be God? They're going to put him to death because he claimed to be God. So those are the people that are already said to Jesus, we don't believe in you at all, but we're looking for something to hang you on. There's no evidence that anyone that heard Jesus speak was neutral toward him. Either they believed his claims of messiahship or they were opposed to him for any number of reasons. Eventually, the non-believers won out, or so they thought, and crucified him. Pastor Mark will be continuing to share Jesus' story about a year before the crucifixion. Pastor Mark will be teaching us about the lines that began to be drawn on either side and how the opposition to Jesus became more vocal and belligerent and how Jesus continued to press his claim to be the Messiah. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with part one of his message, Reactions to Jesus and His Claims. Luke chapter 11 is where we'll be this morning. Luke chapter 11. Now, a couple things to talk to you about. Well, over the last few weeks, there's been a lot of people talking about ISIS. France, San Bernardino. And the, the reactions go from A to Z. What should we do? What's happening? Where do we go? All this. Well, you're, what you're going to see today is the same thing. When Jesus came, there was all kinds of reactions to him. What were the reactions when baby Jesus came? But he's an adult today in our teaching. And we're going to see some amazing things. And I want you to write three words down right now. Just three words. These are the three words we're going to talk about. Because this is what Jesus talks about. The first word you can write down is sign. A sign. The second word you can write down is Light, light. And the third thing Jesus is going to go to is the word inside, inside. So sign, light, and inside. Now, as we look at that, we begin with actually a verse from last week. Luke 11, scoot right down, if you will, to verse 23. Jesus says this, whoever is not with me, is against me. And whoever does not gather with me actually scatters. This truth from Jesus is basically this. 
There is no neutral ground. You see, people like to today, they don't want to offend people. And when it comes to lots of things, no, it's okay. Whatever you believe is good for you. Whatever you believe for me is good for me. It's okay. It's fine. Because we, we think we can kind of ride the middle and everything goes. Jesus said, no, no, no. There's, no. there's no middle ground at all. See, one person is either for Jesus. And for Jesus doesn't mean you believe in Jesus. For Jesus means you're following Jesus. Or you're against me. You're not following me. And so we learned this from last week. I want you to write it down. Because in our world today, politically correct, this is a big deal. Except if you're Trump and things like that. Okay, now here we go. Life is a spiritual war. We learned this last week. There's no fence city. So in this room, everybody's in two groups. Every person you pass in the stores this afternoon, they're in two kingdoms. There's not a third kingdom. There's no middle kingdom. They're either in the kingdom of God. That means they're Christian. They're following Jesus Christ. They've been saved. Or they're in the kingdom of Satan. There's no other. There's no fence city. Pastor Mark, I don't go along with that stuff. Doesn't matter what you go along with. Jesus is the way, truth, and life. He speaks the truth. You are either for him or against him. So he knew that and he began teaching and he had all of those people, people that would look like they're for him, but they weren't. Now watch what happens. When we see crowds today, we're kind of impressed with crowds, all kinds of stadiums, you know, with a hundred thousand people watching a football game or whatever. You see the crowds at the store, uh, Black Friday, oh Lord of the crowds. Wow. Look at the crowds. You know, We have to be careful. We can be impressed with the crowds in church. Well, Jesus is going to speak about this. Watch what he does. Look at the first part of verse 29, right in front of you. As the crowds increased. You see, Jesus is two years into his ministry. Watch me. His ministry is going like this. The Jewish religion is going like this. So there's this battle. There's this huge battle. And as that's walking through, Jesus knows he's going to teach his disciples things. So as Jesus is teaching, masses of people are coming. Man, it's just growing and growing and growing. But Jesus knew something. He would say this to his disciples, for sure, privately. Big crowds don't impress me. We have to be careful in churches. If we're a big church, and we are, 10,000 people every weekend, does that impress God? No. Only thing that impresses God is if we're a growing, maturing, spiritual church. See, there's lots of churches in our world today that are huge, but it doesn't impress God at all because they never even teach the word sin. You're going to see the word sin and repent a lot. Do you know that some of our largest churches never mention sin? Well, how are you going to become a Christian if you never mention sin? So Jesus is going to say, I know some of these people, even though it's getting crowded around me, some of these people are here just for themselves. They want to be fed. They want to have a miracle. Nothing wrong with that. Jesus, some of these people are here just because there's a crowd. It's kind of the in kind of thing. And then we learned last week, some people were in the crowd. They were already against him. But they were just trying to stir up. They were the religious people. We don't believe in you. You're not the Messiah. We're here. I want to hear something. Because they were out to kill Jesus. Now, let me just give you this from the beginning. 
So many people today will argue when you get to Christianity, they really don't know and they'll argue, well, Jesus isn't God. Jesus is just the son of God. He isn't God. Well, that's incorrect 100%. Of course he's God. Now, eventually when the Jewish religious leaders go to crucify Jesus, what are they going to crucify Jesus for? Because he healed people? Because he fed people? No, because he claimed to be who? How can people say Jesus never (laughs) claimed to be God? They're going to put him to death because he claimed to be God. So those are the people that are already said to Jesus, we don't believe in you at all, but we're looking for something to hang you on. We're looking for something, and they'd hear it. I'm I'm God. I'm, I'm the son of God. I'm God. Now, there was another group of people. These are people that are kind of, they think they're on the fence. They're doubting. They're kind of questioning. In their heart, they're kind of waffling. And look what they said. I have it for you. Others trying to test Jesus demanded that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove who he was. You say you're the Messiah, prove it, show me a sign. They See, they were doubters and skeptics, and they said, prove it. Now, what Jesus is going to do, you'll see this as we go through, the proof always ends up with believe or unbelieve. So they're going to ask Jesus for the first of the three words we talked about, a sign, give us a sign. Look at verse 29. As the crowds increased, Jesus said, look at his answer to them. You're a wicked generation. That's a nice response. It asks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. So the first thing Jesus says to you as doubters, you're wicked. No, he doesn't mean morally. He says, you're asking me to give you a sign to prove that I'm Messiah. Hello. Some of you have been following me for a year. I've raised the dead. I've healed the sick. People that couldn't talk can talk. People that couldn't walk can walk. And you're asking me for a sign. What do you think you've been seeing for the last year? See, their, their doubt had caused them, Jesus said, to be wicked. In fact, Jesus said, I've been teaching you amazing things from the Bible. The, I'm, go to your Old Testament, and he's going to do that. Uh, it'll show you that I'm exactly who was prophesied. Now, what did he mean by wicked generation? Here's what it is. Faithless people. They wanted a sign. But you know, in the end, Christianity is based on faith. Look at this word. We live by faith, the evidence of things not seen, not by sight. So what Jesus is going to challenge him to do is this. Are you a sign seeker? Or you are you a word believer? Now, let me, let me just have your attention. Christianity comes down to one thing, faith. Hebrews eleven six says this, without faith, it's impossible to please me. Let's say at the end of this service, we have people come forward and go to the prayer room to get saved. And I tell you, if you go there today, Jesus will be standing there in person. I think all of us who get saved again today, we just walk right into that room. Is Jesus in person in that room today? No, he's not. So how do you get saved? By believing what the word says. 
So are you either a sign seeker? Here's what people say. God, you show me and I'll believe it. You're going to see later. You know what God says? No. Listen, believe it. Then I'll show you. After you and I believe the word of God, if I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive me my sins. If I follow him, he'll give me light. He'll give me direction in my life. After we took the step of faith, did God show himself to us as Christians? Can I hear an amen? Is he still showing that to you this morning? Of course he is. So he says, I'm not interested in signs. By the way, I've given you tons of signs, but you're still doubting. So he calls that a wicked generation. Then he says, I'll give you a sign, but it's Old Testament. He's going to go to two illustrations in the Old Testament. He says, nothing but the sign of Jonah. Look at verse 30. For as Jonah was assigned to the Ninevites, so also the son of man be to this generation. Now there's two possible meanings of the sign of Jonah or this sign. One of them is Jonah, watch this, preaching repentance. So Jesus says, I'm going to show you, you'll see there's two possible signs. Both of these work perfectly. Let me give you a history. How many remember as a kid, for those of you that were in church as a kid, remember the story of Jonah and the the big fish? How many remember? Okay. And when you get to be an adult and you meet people that didn't go to church, they go like, yeah, you know, that crazy myth about Jonah and the big fish. Well, what Jesus going to do? He's going to go validated, true story. I'm using it as an illustration. If Jesus believed in Jonah and the big fish, I believe in Jonah and the big fish. So what happened was this. When we go to Israel, we always stop at this area. Jonah was Jew. God called him to go to the people of Nineveh who terribly treated the Jewish people. Just murderously, kind of like ISIS in those days. And God sent him to proclaim a warning. If you repent, I'll save your nation. By the way, I think God's sending that message to our world this morning. To the United States of America. We need to hear it. By the way, it begins in the house of the Lord. This is where it begins. Judgment begins in the house of the Lord. So Jonah said to himself, I ain't going to those people. They don't deserve the grace of God. How many glad for the grace of God today? Raise your hand if you're a Christian because that's how you got here. So he gets in a boat and goes the other way. He's thrown overboard. He goes into this big fish. The end of the story is he goes eventually to Nineveh and he preaches to them. And he says, God said, if you will repent, the nation will be saved. Now, when you see that, it's an interesting sign. Because Jesus is saying, this is a sign. Now, repentance was not new to Jesus. Repentance was normal for Jesus. That's the word he used all the time. So as Jonah says the word, they believed the word of Jonah. There was no sign There was no sign. It was just Jonah saying, God says. They didn't even know who God was. If you'll repent, we'll save the nation. So they believed the word. So how did they get saved? Quote, spiritually, their nation? Because they believed by faith. No sign. No sign. So when Jesus started his ministry, look at this verse. 
This is the first thing Jesus did when he started ministry. As, as an adult, 30 years old. The time has come. He said, the kingdom of God is near. Say it with me. Repent and believe the good news. A lot of people say, well, I just believe the good news. Jesus myself. No, no, no. It starts with repentance. A lot of people miss the meaning of repentance. Remember, if you were a kid, probably all of you have done this. And your mom was making some chocolate chip cookies, you know, big chunks of chocolate or whatever. She's having some ladies over. And so she said to you as a son, don't touch them suckers. Leave the plate as I have it wrapped. Afterward, you can have one or two. I may know where I'm going with this baby. How do you know that? You've been there. So mom comes in. It's kind of rewrapped. She already knows there's a problem. And she's talking to me. And she says, what are you chewing on? We had chocolates all over us, whatever. At that moment, what do we do? We repent. What does that mean? I repent because I'm sorry I got caught. That's not what repentance means. Repentance means to change your mind and to realize you're going the wrong direction and to turn around and go to a new lifestyle. It's not about words. It's about a change in life. So understand, it's actually a radical transformation. That was the message of Jesus. That's what he's preaching to these people that are standing in front of him. Give us a sign. He said, I've given you many signs. But here's a sign. Number one, the sign of repentance. If you repent, you can follow me. But if you refuse to, you absolutely will not become a follower. The second sign Jesus can use in this story is very interesting. Write it down. It's Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Now, when we speak of Jonah, Jonah was in the whale three days, three nights. Quote, dead. Probably wasn't dead. But it's an illustration that three days after his death, Jesus would come back to life just as Jonah had been, quote, brought back to life after spending three days in the fish. Both of them delivered by death. So the proof was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You want to write this down this morning because this is... It's Easter material, but it's, it is the, the crux, the foundation of Christianity. The greatest sign that Jesus is the Messiah is not that he did miracles. It's not even the virgin birth. The greatest sign is of the resurrection. He died for your sins and my sin and was resurrected. Now, as you think about that and you walk through it, What does this look like to us? Then Jesus goes right on. (laughs) He does something interesting to you and me. He goes right on and he brings up Solomon. Solomon was King David's son. And when Solomon took over the kingdom, God came to him. Something you and I like to have happen. God came to him and said, what do you want from me? I'll give you anything you want. What would you ask God for today? Well, he asked for wisdom. Wow. He says, I need wisdom. I can't rule these people. And God went, God says, that's fantastic. And he blessed him with not only wisdom, but all kinds of things. The problem was God blessed him with the wisdom, but Solomon didn't follow his own wisdom. So his name went everywhere around the world in those days, King Solomon, about a thousand years before Christ. And as it went around the world, a queen heard about him, his wisdom 
all the things that he'd built. He built the temple. And this queen of the south, queen of Sheba, she decided to come. Look at verse 31. The queen of the south will rise at the judgment with the people of this generation. Speaking about who he was talking to right there. This queen's going to judge you. She's going to condemn you. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now something greater than Solomon is here. See, what happened is this. When she came and she saw what she'd heard, the word, she believed. Let me read it to you, First Kings. Here's her words to King Solomon when she visits this amazing site. How happy your people must be. What a privilege for your officials to stand here day after day listening to your wisdom. Praise the Lord your God. She's a Gentile. The Ninevites were Gentile. This already aggravated the Jews. Jesus is using two Gentiles that believed instead of the unbelieving Jews. Praise the Lord your God who delights in you and has placed you on the throne of Israel. Because of the Lord's eternal love for Israel, he has made you king so you can rule with justice and righteousness. See, she heard about Solomon's great works and great wisdom. She came, she saw, she believed his word. She didn't ask for another sign. She believed the word. And then Jesus says this again. Look at the next verse. The men of Nineveh, like this queen, will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, you unbelieving Jews. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now something, I call it, someone greater than Jonah is here. Jesus goes back and he says to the Jewish people, you know the story in the Old Testament of Jonah. You know the story of the Queen of Sheba. I am the son of God. I am the Messiah sent to you by your own God, not the Gentiles God, your God. And yet you refuse to repent and believe. You Jewish people do not have as much faith as the Gentiles have. That really made them mad. He says, I'm standing before you. Someone greater is here than Jonah. I'm not Jonah. I'm not the queen of Sheba. I'm God's son. I'm standing before you and you refuse to believe. There's no right in the fence. Unless you believe and repent, these Gentiles are going to stand up at your judgment and say, we believed. Why didn't you believe? Now I want you to turn your Bible. Keep your finger right there. I want you to turn to one huge verse. John, just one book back, John 20. Everybody with your Bible? John chapter 20. And as you get there, scoot right on down, if you will, to verse 29. A very familiar verse. But you need to understand that as we talk to people around our community about Christ. It sometimes seems surprising to hear what seems to be an extreme reaction to what Jesus claims. We have to remember that we're looking back at history, not living through it. His claims were not only radical, they were revolutionary. Pastor Mark has done an outstanding job of trying to help us understand how challenging Jesus' claims still are today. Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. 
At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed, or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira Campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. We will continue this fascinating story in the next part of Pastor Mark's message. We'll hear about how God the Father told the people of Israel exactly where the Messiah would be born and where he'd live in adulthood. Unfortunately, they didn't remember or they rejected him because he didn't fit their preconceived idea of what the Messiah would look like. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through this series, Everyday Life of Jesus. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is giving.